Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. Today our topic is going to be Goodwill Toward Men. Let's begin today in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in the 8th verse, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord have made known unto us. Verse 14 told us, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The Christmas season is meant to be a time of peace, a time of love, a season of giving, and an overall season of goodwill. But what does goodwill actually mean? It's important that we understand it not just in order to have a better understanding of Christmas, but also for all times and seasons of life. Goodwill isn't something that's only reserved for Christmas. It's something that we as the people of God are always meant to enjoy. Goodwill seems to be a simple enough concept, willing good to others. It would seem simple enough to the point where you wouldn't even have to say it. We should always will good. That should be a fundamental principle of our lives. But there's more to goodwill than meets the eye. We don't want to have a bad will with malicious intent. And we don't want to have a morally neutral will either. As Christians who seek to live in love, we should desire to bless and do good to others, desiring to do what's in their best interests. Other versions of the Bible translate verse 14 differently, in a way that sheds more light on what exactly we're dealing with. In the classic Amplified Bible, it says, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men, with whom he is well pleased, men of good will, of his favor. This shows another element of this. This shows that goodwill towards men is to those who are well-pleasing to God. This is important because this isn't the way that this verse is normally understood. The word in Greek for goodwill means good pleasure, favor, feeling of complacency of God to man, satisfaction, happiness, delight of men. The concourse goes on to say that it means what seems good or beneficial to someone. God's good pleasure requires something is done for his work of inbirthing faith. The last part of the definition, referring to faith, gives us another critical element of this. The next question that we need to ask ourselves is, who are those who are well-pleasing to God? Hebrews 11 and 6 tells us, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Why would it be impossible? What is it about a lack of faith that makes it such an obstacle to pleasing the Lord? We find the answer in Romans 14 and 23, referring to meat that was offered to idols. It says, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. The problem is that it's sin. Sin is a deviation from the will of God. We know that His will is always good. So in order for our will to be good, it has to be aligned with His. When our will deviates from His, it ceases to be good will. The ones who are well-pleasing to God are those who not only know about faith or talk about faith, but those who live in faith, those who live faithful lives, those who don't give doubt any place in their lives. The foundation of this is faith. We can never be faithful if we don't first have faith.
Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. It's birthed within us by God. It's God's inworking of divine persuasion. Faith isn't just necessary when it comes to having and being of good will. It's necessary at all times and in all circumstances of the Christian life. Faith is required for pleasing God. There's no way around it. It's impossible without it. But we see the kindness and compassion of the Lord and that He doesn't require us to have something that we would have to work up or learn or obtain on our own. He requires of us something that He freely gives us as a gift given in love. Just like with all the other fruits of the Spirit, we know that since faith is a fruit, all fruits begin with a seed. The seed of faith is implanted within our spirit from the moment that we're filled with the Holy Ghost. And from that moment on, the seed begins to grow. Seeds need the right nutrients, and they need the right environment in order to properly grow and flourish in the way that they're designed to. Faith grows over time. It's not something that's cultivated overnight. Providing the right environment and nutrients for faith means that we're immersing ourselves in the Word of God, that we take the time to read and study regularly, that we listen to the Word when we have the opportunity, and that we let the Word of God become a central part of our life. We know that the Word fuels our faith, because Hebrews 10 and 17 tells us, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The more time and effort we put into learning and living out the Word, the more faith will naturally increase and grow. This is a spiritual principle that God has established. It never changes. But we can't expect our faith to grow and flourish and be powerful if we never provide the right conditions for it. Matthew 8 and 26, referring to when they were out at sea during the storm, says, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. The concordance says for the word in Greek for little faith, that it means little in number, low in quantity, few occurrences, or applications of faith. It occurs five times in the New Testament, each time with Jesus rebuking the problem of failing to hear his voice. Little faith describes someone dull to hearing the Lord's voice or disinterested in walking intimately with him. In contrast, the goal of life is to receive and obey the Lord's gift of faith in each scene of life. We need to hear and take heed to his voice. One of the ways that we hear the voice of the Lord and grow in our intimacy with Him is through reading the Word, because the Word is the verbal expression of who He is as God. It's one of the main ways that He speaks to us. If we ignore the Word, we do ourselves a great disservice, and we keep ourselves back from all the great promises of God that He wants to give us if we'll only take the time to be alone with Him. Little faith comes from little time spent with the Lord and with His Word, and a lot of faith comes from a lot of time spent with God and in the Word. It works proportionately. Not only does hearing His voice birth faith within us, it also gives us joy. John 3 and 29 says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. Joy comes from hearing His voice, just like faith. And when we have both of these together, they form a great combination. That's why we're able to have great joy today, just like they had when Jesus was born. We know that Jesus is the bridegroom, and that we, just like Abraham, are his friends. Abraham wasn't God's friend for no reason. The reason was his faith. James chapter 2, verses 21 to 23 tell us, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. His faith was made perfect by his works. What good is faith if it's never acted upon? Our love for the Lord should make us desire to do good works, and good works are just a manifestation of good will. 
Faith is the engine that gives us the initiative to act on goodwill, which only further reinforces and strengthens our faith. Understanding the relationship between goodwill and faith, and then faith in the Word of God, is important because it all comes together in the Word. If we want to be people of goodwill, we have to figure out how to make our will good and know what a good will entails and how we align our will in a way so that in God's sight it's good. Our will is our volition, it's our inclinations, our desires, our ability to make choices, and it lays the foundation for us to act on those choices. As Christians, we're called to align our will with God's will. Since we live in a fallen sinful world and are beholden to our sinful fallen human nature, it's impossible for our will to ever be truly good on its own with no intervention from God. But on Christmas Day, 2,000 years ago, the Lord did intervene and He sent Jesus, His Son. And now through Jesus, when we have Him living within us, He conforms our will to His so that we can have good will in the truest sense. God is good, He's goodness personified, and His will is the verbal expression of Himself, which means that it's the verbal expression of the goodness that's within Him. He doesn't and never will will anything that isn't good. Romans 12 and 2 tells us, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we want our will to be in line with the good, acceptable, perfect will of God, we have to allow the Lord to renew our minds. We have to allow Him to put His mind within us and submit our way of thinking, our desires, our decisions to Him, knowing that He knows even better than we do what we should do and what we truly need and want. Philippians 2 and 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Once we allow His way of thinking to become our way of thinking, this inward change will manifest outwardly and His way of acting will become our way of acting. We'll never see an outward change unless we first let Him work within us. Far too many Christians get confused when it comes to the will of God. Many people aren't really sure what God's will for their life is. They want to know, but they just don't know how to figure it out. They think they might have some vague idea, but they don't feel like they know for sure. And this causes a lot of what they do to be done out of a place of doubt instead of out of faith. They may be doing exactly what God is calling and leading them to do in that moment, but because they're unsure about if it's His will or not, in the back of their mind, they're second-guessing their actions, which means that they're harboring doubts. James 1 and 6 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Doubt isn't something that we can allow ourselves to tolerate or indulge in. It can easily make our walk of faith unsteady. We leave the door open for doubt when we aren't sure about what God's will is, and doubt will bring with it confusion, which the enemy will quickly try to use against us. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 says, For God is not the offer of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Confusion is not of God. He never wants us to be unsure of His will. He wants it to be direct and clear, and He's made it direct and clear. The problem is that people just don't know where to find it. God's never trying to hold back anything from His people. He wants you to have everything that you need to do what He's calling you to do. You wouldn't be able to fulfill your calling if you didn't know the will. And if God purposely held back the knowledge of His will, He would only be working against His own purposes, which we know He wouldn't do. God's not the offer of confusion, but He is the offer of faith. Hebrews 12 and 2 tells us, Looking unto Jesus, the offer and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
God puts faith within us, and he helps and guides us through his Holy Spirit as our faith grows and flourishes, and he oversees our faith as he works within us to bring us into greater and greater faith. He's the finisher of our faith because any work that he ever begins in us, he's always going to bring to completion because God never quits, otherwise he wouldn't be faithful. God sees his work through to the end, and it's no different when it comes to the faith that he puts within us. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God will bring about the increase of faith in our spirit as we make the conditions right by being alone with him and with his word. It's been said that if you want to know the will of God, read the word, and if you want to do the will of God, do the word. God has made his will clear and evident to all of us today. The key is that we act on the will. If our volition only changes in thoughts and words, it'll mean nothing. It only means something and only has any significance and substance when we allow it to change our actions. Our faith needs to be active. Inactive faith never changed anything and never will. Let's go to James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, beginning in the 22nd verse, it says, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Verse 22 said, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Hearing the word leads to faith, but faith has to then go even further and produce its own fruits. It has to lead to something. It has to lead to action. Faith can move a mountain, but moving is an action. Inactive faith wouldn't move it at all. Having goodwill towards others is a conscious decision that we need to make, that we're going to act on the word of God, that we're going to do good to others and claim its promises on behalf of those around us. When we do this, it's so radically different from the way that the world thinks and acts, different from the self-centered culture that's taken a hold of the world today, that it draws people towards God, because they see the love and the goodness of God on full display through the way that we live our lives and interact with them. Romans 2 and 4 says, Or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads people to come to him. And when we live in good will towards others, God uses us as the vessel to communicate His goodness to them. Today, we can be that vessel. If we let ourselves be used in this way, we can make an eternal difference in the lives of those who we interact with. Sometimes we won't even know the depth of the effect that our good will has on someone's life. But whether we get to see the change for ourselves or not, the main thing is that we plant a seed of the love of God in their life. And then God will grant the increase as he softens their heart and prepares them to be ready to accept them as their savior. God doesn't only will goodness for those in the world who aren't yet saved. He also and especially wills goodness for us as his people. One of the definitions for goodwill that we saw earlier was delight. God delights to do good to us. It's pleasing to him. He desires to see his people happy, joyful, and prosperous. And we should delight to do the same to him. Psalm 37 and 4 tells us, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. During this Christmas season, 
Everyone is wondering what they're going to be given or thinking about what they're going to be giving to others, which is great. There's a time for that, and that time is this season. But it's important that we as Christians understand that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, when we find our true desire and pleasure in Him, we'll find that everything that we need or want in life is in Him. We won't have to look elsewhere to try to find them. We won't have to look under the Christmas tree. We won't have to look to others to provide what we're looking for. We'll find everything in Him. And it's when we're looking to Him that we find true contentment, true joy, and true goodness. Our culture today is centered around materialism, which attempts to create functional saviors, offering people hope for things that they can achieve and things that they can buy. They don't really want goodwill for its own sake. They want it only as long as they're getting something out of it. They want something that they can hold and feel and use. They're after things that seem nice to the natural mind, but in the end, leave a person unfulfilled and still searching for more. The reason why so many people today seem to never truly be content and never feel like they're fulfilled in this world, having no aim, no direction, no purpose, is because they're looking to the wrong sources. They're allowing themselves to dictate their own will instead of conforming their will to God's. Until they see God as the source, they'll never be able to have or live in good will, something that everyone intrinsically desires for their life, even if they won't outwardly admit it. We have to keep our perspective right. We have to stay focused on God and on His Word. Matthew 6 and 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When we desire God for who He is and not just what He can give us and make Him our everything, the centerpiece of our life, everything else we desire will be taken care of. And when we make those desires known to God, we can rest assured that He'll see them through until they manifest in our lives. Not only does God will good things towards us, we also know that with Him, there's always good on the way. Hebrews 9 and 11 says, But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Jesus is the high priest of good things to come. Today we're celebrating Him, His birth, His life, His resurrection, the fact that He came to save us, and the fact that He's soon to come again. Now because He lives within us, we're free to celebrate that with Him, there's always good things to come, always good things being brought forth in our life, and even in the worst of times in the natural, there's always something good coming right around the corner. And how could there not be when we serve a good God? Let's make the choice today, as we head into a new year, to live in goodwill and show forth the goodness of God to all those around us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank You for Your goodness. We know that that's the only reason that we have you in our life. Lord, we thank you that you sent somebody into our life who showed forth your goodness in their life. Lord, today we thank you that you've given us your word that contains your will, that you showed us in a direct and a clear way what your will is. And we thank you for the wisdom and the understanding to be able to perceive your will for our life from your word. Lord, we thank you that you implanted the seed of faith within our spirit. Where we ask for the wisdom to cultivate that seed in the right way, in a way that will help it to grow and flourish and become powerful in our life, manifesting on the surface through our actions. Where we thank you that you put your Holy Spirit within us to lead and guide us into all truth, and where we thank you that you hold our hand all the way through. Lord, we thank you that you showed us what goodwill is, that you showed us goodness personified in your Son. And we thank you that you're conforming our mind and our will to be in line with yours. And Lord, we thank you that today we're free because of you to will good towards men, just like you did. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you want to have goodwill and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at Kingsport Bible Study at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.